0: That's why you need to be a praying Christian, a praying man, a praying woman. Can you really call yourselves a New Testament Christian unless you are a praying Christian? There is that lack if we are not set to praying. And so our burden for evangelism should send us a praying. Ask, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. I'm glad today that God is sovereign. I'm glad today that God is in absolute control. I'm glad that God knows his elect in every part of the world. He knows them that are his, but he uses means to gather in his people. And he will build his church. But I want to be a part of the program. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gollerher, and today we are entering again to the message of the cross, which uh, Mr. Hoeksma calls the judgment of this world. We have a hymn as well to sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross on which the Prince of Glory died. And may our hearts be directed to the cross work of our Lord Jesus, as we think of our Redeemer, who poured out his life for our redemption. But there, God judged the ungodly world and declared it to be apostate, and not only the world of philosophers, Greeks, and Romans, but the Jewish system that was apostate, and we'll be learning that today as we let the Bible speak. Then we'll turn to Psalm 2. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession." This text is a missionary text, but it's also a prayer warrior's text, and I trust it will be used of God to make you a praying, serving Christian in the great evangelistic program of reaching men with the gospel. So stay tuned now as we turn to this message, especially in this segment on the judgment of this world. The Lord Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. The cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ are the judgment of this world. In the trial of the Savior, the world confronts the question, What shall we do with the Son of God? Its answer is, We shall kill him. The world of fallen man is condemned, and its prince is cast out through the judgment of the cross. But God's world is justified in the resurrection of the Lord and its prince is exalted at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. Now, as we are studying some phases of this judgment of the cross, we notice that the first and chief defendant that appears before the tribunal of the Most High to be examined and judged is the church, the house of God. It occupies a chief position. It plays a leading part in the crucifixion of the Son of God. Judgment must needs begin at the house of God. This had been foretold by the prophets of old. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, but who may abide the day of his coming?' And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Malachi chapter 3. The judgment of the world, therefore, through the cross of Christ, must begin at the church, in order that God's church in Christ may be justified and saved, while man's church is condemned and destroyed, for even as the distinguished in the previous chapter between God's world and man's world, so we must now distinguish between God's church and man's church, the true and the false church, the faithful bride and the adulterous woman. The one is called Jerusalem, the city of the living God, the daughter of Zion. The same, the name of the other is Sodom and Gomorrah. Even though in the world she appears as Jerusalem. That world, that apostate church, was, at the time of Jesus, represented by the leaders of the Jews, particularly the Jewish council, whose president was the high priest. And it is these leaders of the Jews that lay their hands on Jesus, and that, in spite of themselves, are compelled to stand in judgment to give a clear answer to the question, What will ye do with the Christ, the Son of God? Let us follow the history of this trial, which appeared to be the trial of Jesus by the Sanhedrin, but in reality was the trial of the apostate church that had always stumbled at the stone God laid in Zion, always had and always does, and will kill the prophets, the trial of that part of the world that was represented by carnal Israel. That's yeah. some people get confused with this whole thing about begotten, the begotten Son of God. Now, let's ask a number of questions firstly. Could this begotten refer to the beginning of Jesus' existence? No, because he is the eternal Son of God. He never was created. He never was born in the sense that All natural sons of parents are born. There's a date of their birthday. Our Lord Jesus never had a birthday in eternity in his divine nature. He took a human nature, but he was always God in the spirit. And as long as God existed in eternity past, the Lord Jesus existed in eternity past. So this statement, this day have I begotten thee, what does it refer to? Well, I've already committed myself and said this applies to the resurrection. My proof text, God hath fulfilled the name unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm. Now, he's just said he's raised him up. As it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. It's the resurrection that this refers to. And our Lord Jesus was begotten from the dead. In other words, he laid in the tomb for three days and three nights, and then God the Father raised him from the dead. He brought him back to life and he raised him, exalted him at the Father's right hand. Where is the Lord Jesus now? At God's right hand. And every spiritual blessing comes from the right hand of God through his Son, whom he has raised up and appointed as head of the church, to whom every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. And the only way to be blessed spiritually is by your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way to reach the Father. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is no spiritual blessing but by prayer through Jesus' name. And as the Lord Jesus said, Ye have heretofore asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive of my Father." And so we are to be a praying people, and we're to continually ask through the name of our Lord Jesus. You see, the Lord Jesus is our Joseph. When Joseph was made to be the prime minister in the land of Egypt, and he had all those barns of grain, and the people were hungry in the famine, what did Pharaoh say? Go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. And all the people that wanted food had to ask and bargain with Joseph. And if you want to be spiritually blessed, there's only one person you're to go to or through, and that is the Lord Jesus. You're to ask in his name, and you cannot pray to the Father in any other name. You're to use the name of his only Son. And so, you must know your need to really pray, to really seek God. And this world. uh, The greatest missionary, Paul the Apostle, he was a man of prayer. He prayed earnestly for the souls to whom he preached. You read of that in Acts 20, Romans 10, many places. And he pleaded with others to pray, pray for his preaching, that the word of God would have free course, that he may have utterance to preach this gospel Uh, to those who do not know Christ. Paul depended on the power of prayer, and he took his cue from the Lord Jesus, and he realized that all blessing comes through the Son. And so, as the Father said to the Son, ask of me, we are to go in Jesus' name and ask of our Father through that name and plead for all the blessings of the gospel. Now, are we doing that? Let's really be honest with one another and and answer this question. Are we as a church, are we as individuals, really men and women of prayer? Do we do all things by prayer? We sow, we labor, we engineer, we plan, we uh, have programs, we do outreach, we do all kinds of things in the name of the Lord. But do we do it by prayer? If we don't ask... If we don't do things with, with, with real earnest prayer, will there be any blessing? That's why it's been the conviction of every servant of God. The church goes forward on its knees. That's why it's been the conviction that we must pray much. And the history of the Lord's church is, as, as the church has gone forward by, by much prayer. You read the book of Acts, how every new uh, advance of the church was with much prayer, and sometimes the the church was driven to pray by persecution and by failure and by weakness and by defeat. And they came and they say, "Lord, you know the situation. We're being we're being uh, we're being shut up from preaching the gospel." And they pleaded with God. If you think of the prayer meeting when Peter uh, was in prison. And when they met in John Mark's home, the church was praying. Prayer was made unto God for him. The church was driven to prayer. And sometimes, even today, the Lord will drive his people to pray. When everything else feels, when everything else flounders, we're driven to call upon God. And so we need to take this to heart, that all spiritual blessing comes through the Lord Jesus. Now, you might say, preacher, tell me something I don't know. We do know this, and we know it so well, but we do not always put it into practice. All spiritual blessing comes through the Lord Jesus and through prayer in his name. My next main point is this, that the nations of the world are incapable of turning to God. Why do we ask for these nations? because they are so lost, so darkened. Human nature is so depraved. I could ask here how many people believe in the total depravity of man, that he is from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, totally, absolutely unable, incapable of turning his life over to God, He will not. He is a part of these kings of the earth who set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. And when missionaries go to other nations and tell them the gospel, what do they find? I don't want your gospel. And you may go to your neighbor and you may tell them, will you come and hear the way of God's salvation? They will say, I don't want to hear your way of salvation. That's why we need to pray, ask. Because God alone is able to change the hearts of men and women and turn them onto himself. You see, we've got to realize that souls are held captivity in bondage by Satan, who rules the hearts and minds of men. Ever since the fall, every baby that's born into this world is born programmed for sin, programmed for darkness and lust and rebellion against the God of heaven, and unless God changes the heart, no man will ever turn to him. John 6:37, "All they that come to me, I will in no wise cast out, but in the same context he says, "No man cometh to the Father." But by me, no man can turn on his own desire, his own whim, unless there is the miracle of regeneration. Jesus said, you must be born again. But he also said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh. We need the Holy Spirit to do his work. And we as a church are absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to convert sinners to bring those that are darkened to the light. And you and I know that we can get people in here and preach to them week after week after week, but we do not see them converted unless the Lord does it, unless the Lord changes hearts and opens their minds and brings them to faith in the Lord Jesus. That brings us to my next point. The church is incapable of converting a lost soul. We can build buildings. We can plan religious ceremonies and services, sacraments. We can organize church programs. We can preach the word. We can do all those things that are, according, uh, that are called the means of grace, that it is, is the will of God. I'm not talking about extraneous foolish programs. I'm talking about doing all the right things. God wants us to have a church building. He wants us to be a public witness. He wants us to meet here and honor his day and honor his word. He wants us to encourage our brothers and sisters. He wants us to worship him. But if we're going to be God's means of reaching a lost world, we cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit at work. In Luke chapter 24... The Lord said to his disciples, tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. In other words, don't start a thing. Don't even begin until you're equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit anointing you to that work. And then in Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you see our great lack? Do you see the the empty link in the chain here? We can have everything complete in all these other areas, but if we do not have the power and anointing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in great conviction, there'll never be conversions and turning to God. That's why they had that 10-day prayer meeting. That's why every church needs to be a praying church. That's why you need to be a praying Christian, a praying man, a praying woman. Can you really call yourselves a New Testament Christian unless you are a praying Christian? There is that lack if we are not set to praying. And so our burden for evangelism should send us a praying. Ask, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. I'm glad today that God is sovereign. I'm glad today that God is in absolute control. I'm glad that God knows his elect in every part of the world. He knows them that are his. But he uses means to gather in his people. And he will build his church. But I want to be a part of the program. I want to be in on God's agenda. I want to be in the very center of his will. I want to be where he wants me to be. I want to be doing the exact thing he wants me to do. And one of those things, and the chief of those things, is to be asking, praying. If I feel there, I'm going to feel everywhere. I take my cue from the Lord Jesus. He did ask of the Father. He said he prayed not for the world, but for all those that the Father gave him. Are you and I doing that? Are you and I praying that God will come and touch us and use us to be witnesses and that his word will be with power? I want to know, do you pray for the preaching of God's word in this church? I want to know, do you really, really pray? Now, praying for the minister is one thing. I thank you for your prayers. I'm encouraged by your prayers. Uh, how do you pray for me? Good health? Good health? I I, I enjoy good health. I enjoy many, many blessings in life. The Lord is good to me. But the key thing we're focusing on here is that this ministry of his word would have free course. That it would be attended with the Holy Spirit using that word, taking the gospel to reach men and women to change their hearts and change their lives. That's the key thing here. It could be any other preacher that God may appoint and place in this pulpit. And if he's faithful to the book and preaching the gospel, you've got to pray in the same way for him. Why? Because he's God's man with God's message. And you want that message to reach the hearts of men and women. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? This is our challenge, men and women. This is the thing that's going to make us or break us. This is the thing that's going to make us uh, giants or wimps. This is the thing that God is going to use to honor us or God is going to use to just set us aside. You didn't ask. Therefore, I'm not going to give you. Ask. And I will give you the heathen for thine inheritance. It sounds very simple. It is very simple. But for some reason we find it hard to get a praying. I call you to earnest prayer, earnest pleading with God, and do not make the sovereignty of God your excuse and say, well, God's going to build his church anyway. I have no responsibility to pray. You do. You do. And God will only use praying vessels, vessels that will give the glory to him, because God is jealous. If we could accomplish things without calling on him and without prayer, he would not receive the glory. Man's program would receive the glory. Man's agenda, man's intelligence or, or personality, man would get the glory. But when we accomplish things by prayer, God gets the glory. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. That's the very petition here. And you notice... This is far-reaching. I almost missed this, didn't I? And the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, Strictly in context, this is the Father speaking to the Lord Jesus. God the Father would give to his Son, who would go to the cross, die in the place of men, and of all parts of the world, the Father would call people to faith in his Son. That's the program, but it's based on prayer, and we are now to take up that torch of prayer and plead with God to fulfill this great work. In A few weeks' time, I hope to speak on Hinduism, as I mentioned. You've got to realize that just south of our church here, across the highway, Fraser, the number 10 highway, we have a and I say this in love and kindness. I don't say this in a way that would, would offend, I trust. We have a little India developing. We have a whole community of East Indian people that we're neighbors to. Uh, there's a major 4 highway in between, but we're still neighbors. And if we go out and outreach in this community, unless we are racist, we would say, well, don't go down there because, you know, they're just all of that persuasion. We don't want to go to them. No, God says go. God says go to them. I have emailed uh, some of the people involved and let the Bible speak back in Northern Ireland. If they can get me some Hindi or Punjabi uh, new beginnings. Uh, these were done for uh, Nepal. I'm not absolutely sure what language it was, but it was for Nepal that the new beginning was put into uh, that language. And uh, I'm hoping to get some. We have the great opportunity to reach people, and and certainly the first generation, have never ever heard the name of Jesus, never had the word of God in their own language. They've never had someone come to their door and say, can I explain to you the way of salvation? This is our opportunity. But you and I know too well it's going to be fraught with failure. Unless we ask and pray with all our hearts, we need a burden for these people. The reality is that if we're not praying for them, we're not burdened for them. We have no real passion for their souls. We don't really care whether they go to heaven or hell. Oh, we would stand up and defend the doctrine of hell. But do we really want to reach these souls that need to be delivered from hell? This is the gospel commission to the church of the Lord Jesus, and we can't opt out. This is our calling. This is our work, and this must be our burden. And so I give you this text, I give you this message today, ask, ask, ask. That's it. It doesn't sound very hard, but I fear that there will be people who won't do it. We need to do it. We need to do it with all our hearts. We need to do it in faith. We need to believe that God has a program. God is going to build His church. God has no failure. I'm working on the winning side. And if I do God's work, God's way, He will make me a part of His program. That's all I'm asking for. I want to be in on this great program to build the church of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord help every one of us.
1: You can contact us using our office number, which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel